Welcome to Off the Bench with Danny Cannell. Danny Cannell. Back to throw versus Danny. Pete is tight end. And Raja Bell. Bell has done three three. 22 to Raja. It's all the future of football right before your eyes. Just yell it out, man. He can't me. Welcome to Off the Bench with Danny Cannell and Raja Bell. It was a great weekend. Fun stuff going on. Yeah. Oh, we're going to get to a bunch. We have the Stanley Cup final. We're going to go hardcore into that. Oh, we have some golf as yeah. uh, that was an action, the PGA Tour. And uh, Nick Saban was stuck on a boat. So we're going to have to cover that SEC, you know, SEC all the way. So we're going to get to that. But the NBA Finals, game two was last night. The most entertaining thing of the game, you know what it was? Um, pre-game, yeah. pre-game festivities. When And I love this about Draymond because he goes right at LeBron. He's like, you know what? That was my look. You took it from me, so I'm going to rock so it. So this was this was Draymond trolling LeBron in your estimation? This wasn't oh, a pre-planned sure. outfit? Uh, no, this is totally trolling LeBron, 100%. Okay. Now, he did say he tries to claim that it's his look. And he has way better accessories with the kid. Like, yes. the kid's already a better accessory than the bag. I actually like – well, yeah, the, you always go with the kid. A cute kid is always going to win. He's got the Wheat Jays on, too, which are really – they're hot. My son wants a pair of those. But LeBron, I'm, I like the tweak with the hoodie under the the jacket and the frayed bottoms of the uh, the shorts. I'm actually digging that a little bit. Yeah, so you're thinking about rock. You're thinking about rocking this look to a wedding this summer? Yeah, my cousin's got a wedding on the 17th, <laughs> right. and I want to know if I can get away oh, with no that. Oh, no evidence. Oh, you oh, can get away with right, it. I'm going right. to encourage I gotta do some. I got to get on leg day, though, for the next couple <laughs> yeah, weeks. <laughs> exactly. All right, so that was the pregame. That might have been the most entertaining thing yeah. in the game. I was arguing with Debo before the show because he said, no, it was a pretty entertaining game. I thought... It was not. I thought the Warriors were in control. I thought they were focused. I thought they came out and controlled the pace of the game. I thought they controlled the flow of the game. And I never thought it was in doubt. Even, like, it was the lead was kind of fluctuating between 5 and 15. Right. Any time the Cavs made any sort of run, you'd see the Warriors respond with a dagger or a flurry. Not just one. They'd get two or three buckets right in a row. And to me, it just looked like this is what I expected the series to look like. I thought game one was a pleasant surprise, but I think this is what you're going to see the rest of the series. Yeah, I kind of anticipated the series looking like this, too. I, I'm kind of like right in between you and Debo because I was a little interested. Like, it felt to me at points in the first half and even in the third quarter when the Cavs, like, kind of started to creep back in it, they won the third quarter. I felt like there may be a point where if they could hit a shot or get a couple stops in a row – uh, they would have an opportunity to really be in the ball game. Unfortunately, four Cavs, like they weren't able to stop anybody. Like they were just really bad defensively, which is the first thing like that that stuck out to me about that game. If you come out and it, and and you face a, a Golden State team that didn't play well in Game One, and that slipped through your fingers, I mean, you should be seething. Mm-hmm. You should be like a a bull in a in a china shop. Like it should be the most physical, grind you out. I'm going to touch you every time I get a chance to touch you kind of game. Like we talk about other sports, like a quarterback, you got a Tom Brady out there and you know, there's not a whole lot you can do with him in terms of his execution when he's clean in the pocket. Well, what do you do to him after you get, you, you touch him up every time you get a chance to touch him. Um, even baseball, like you get a chance to slide, you know, through a double play, you take him out. Yep. Like you, and there wasn't enough of that last night. I watched the Cavs let Steph Curry run wherever he wanted to run and just freedom without the ball like freedom when he doesn't have the ball freedom when he's got the ball when he's got the ball you should be plastered to his chest now i know it's easier said than done because he's really good at creating space and then he gives the illusion that he's going to attack the bucket and when you try to get back in front he stops and pops but i'm saying at any 
any opportunity you can, you stay plastered and you run him off the three. Make him finish in the paint. Like, I would almost dare him to score 70 points at the front of the rim over Tristan Thompson before I would allow him to shoot 17 damn threes. That's inexcusable. Um, then when he the gets The problem up, is what I noticed, because I noticed a couple times they saw that, like, they would stay on him and he would drive past him. Where was Tristan? Like, he'd get way too many open looks and layups. Give them to him. Because that rim protection Give him, wasn't Let there. him have him. Yeah. Don't overreact Over to it. Three. Yeah. Let him have him. Yeah. Let him let him make all of his points at the basket. Now they do need to tighten up that second line of defense and part of the problem is they've got so many capable shooters around them that that it puts you in a really weird spot um as a defender cuz naturally you want to be halfway. Um but I would let him finish over the top. And you know, it's backbreaking. There were a few there were a few instances last night. One stuck out to me was Sean Livingston. The Cavs had actually executed perfectly defensively. They ran Steph Curry off of like multiple three-point shots. They closed out to the corner. They made Golden State swing the ball eight, nine times. And there were like three seconds on the shot clock. And the ball finds Sean Livingston, who's that's who you want with the ball at the three-point line. Yeah. And he takes one dribble and he cashes a like a 17-foot jumper. They were just those things will suck the life out of your sails. Like that they're deflating type of plays. And they had a lot of those last night. Cleveland could never get over the hump. So Livingston and JaVel McGee, they were both uh combined eleven for eleven for twenty two points. That is really tough to overcome. If you feel like you're doing a pretty good job, which they really weren't on Steph and KD and the superstars on that right. team. When you get that type of support from the supporting cast, you're toast. But it's yeah, you're absolutely toast. But it's remarkable that you you weren't doing a good job on the big three, and you were in a ball game. Yeah. You really were. And so to the to the play I was talking about with Sean Livingston, right before the half, you have LeBron James off of off a of pick and roll hits Jeff Green in the corner. Jeff Green with a shot that'll have the Cavs down five going into the break. He misses it. You come down the other end, Kevin Durant draws Tristan Thompson. He hits damn David West, who hasn't made a three-pointer in his playoff career, and he knocks down a three to put you up eight. Like There were too many of those back-breaking plays defensively for the Cavs to overcome, and they weren't doing a great job defensively to begin with. <laughs> no, so when Steph was plays. brilliant, no doubt about it. He had an NBA record, uh nine three-pointers made for the NBA Finals. That's a record. He had 33 points total on the night, seven rebounds, eight assists. He was five for five from three in the fourth quarter. It was, it was a remarkable, just one of, it was a, it was an epic performance for Steph. I think one that people are going to remember for a long time. Here's a group of guys talking about his brilliance last night. Get nine threes and get the record. Um, it's more so just about playing the game the right way, uh, having good intentions out there on the court and, and, uh, good things happen. So, um, pretty special, pretty special night and hopefully some more special things happen to get two more wins. The one that stands out the most when he was uh, about seven seconds on the clock and just kept going backwards. I don't know why, but um, he just threw it up and I don't think he had any chance of going in, but that was kind of like a dagger shot and just gave us all the momentum back. So that was my favorite and hit nothing but net. And uh, that was just a very good sight to see. Every shot that he takes that goes in, he has a business of making them. That's what, that's what he does. So shouldn't be surprised or, or deflated at it. You know, take the ball out, move it forward, and uh, try to execute another end. All right, so that's going to be that's going to be goal number one is to slow down Steph Curry in Game Three when they go back to Cleveland. I don't know what other adjustments they can make because I think it's it's one of those things where you can slow down one, but there's the next guy is going to step up. You yeah, know, like Kevin Durant quietly had an incredible efficient night, yeah. but it wasn't like we're not talking about him because Steph had such like 10 for 14 for 26. Yeah. Like yeah. They, they, that their team is built where you're not going to put out the Steph Curry fire. And that's, and that's going to be the end of golden state. That's not happening. But I thought what you saw golden state do defensively is something that the Cavs should try to do defensively. A switch can be 
like effective. It can be something that you use as an advantage. It can also be something that kind of puts you to sleep defensively because you never really fight over a screen. Like a switch doesn't require any kind of real physical activity. Two, two offensive players come together. You're on one side of it. I'm on the other side of it. And so we switch. And so it lends itself to kind of laid back on your heels receiving type of defense. I want to dictate if I'm a defender. Do you understand what I'm saying? Yeah. Like I want to be on offense even though I'm on defense. So when you come off of that switch, if 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 this cup, like let's say that cup is the offensive player and I'm the defender and Steph Curry's coming off of this cup, I don't want to be here waiting to receive his momentum coming downhill. I want to be on the top of that screen. So when you start coming over that screen, you're looking at me like, holy shit, I got to go back. Right. And now I'm on offense because as the defender, I've, I've made you go backwards. The Cavs are doing way too little of that. And you saw Golden State say, we're not going to switch on every LeBron pick and roll. We're going to hedge high. Right. We're going to fight. I want you to dig in Kevin Durant. And if they don't, if they don't make you switch, we're going to have you fight over and get back in front of LeBron. And there were a lot of possessions last night where the Cavs just anticipated the switch with Steph Curry. It's what had been happening all series up to this point. And Kevin Durant was like, no, 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 no. I'm going to fight over the screen. I'm back in front of LeBron. Now what are you going to do, big fella? And it threw the Cavs for a loop. The Cavs need to do some of that defensively. Uh, we need a, a, a telestrator so we don't have to use the cup and the phone and the highlighter to uh, demonstrate how do those defensive things goes. We'll work on that uh, maybe down the road for the Off the Bench podcast. So LeBron, he was pretty much held in check. Of course, it looks like it. He still, I mean, it's still a performance where he has 29, uh, 13 assists and nine rebounds. But when you follow it up from 51 points in game one, you're like, oh, they did a pretty good job. I think he is getting tired. I think he's getting worn out. I thought you saw him with the towel over the head in the fourth quarter looking like, oh, man, like this is going to be a long series. But – you talked about it. I, I agree with you. I thought the Cavs' best chance to get a win was either game one or game three, the first game in Cleveland. When they go back, they'll have the home crowd. Everybody will be into it. Do you think the Cavs can make this a series when they go back to Cleveland? No. I think the Cavs – think they'll get a win? I think that they could okay, get a I'll, win. I'll rephrase my question because I don't think anybody thinks it's going to be a series. Do you think they'll get a win in Cleveland? I think that they – I think – that they will get a win. Yes, I'm going to say that. Um, although I'm not saying it very confidently. Uh, their best chance might have been squandered in game one in all, in all reality. And I thought that was such an, uh, a moment that like took the wind out of their sails yeah. because they were so close, because they had that, um, that, you know, that, that, that just wiped out their any type of momentum they had was absolutely devastating. It was devastating. They are the, the, uh, and all the stuff, the George Hill, and the, the free, free throw, throw, all of it. It was, um, so LeBron talked about heading home to Cleveland. Yeah. We want to continue to be uncomfortable. Uh, just because we're going home don't mean we can relax. And this is the last team in the world that you want to relax against. They've proven that they can win on someone else's floor, you know, no matter if it's um, through adversity, as people may call it, when they were going through the Rocket Series or whatever the case may be. They proved they can win on someone else's floor and do it in, and, um, in any fashion, in any way. So, um, you know, I will continue to stay uncomfortable, and I hope our guys continue to stay uncomfortable, um, you know, no matter um, what else going back home. All right, hold on a second. Because he's talking about that's good. Go back to Cleveland. You know, get your home crowd advantage. We talked about the shorts of the suit off the top. Now, the reason I would think you wear shorts with the suit is because it's hot out. Right. Now, when you see the whole getup, he's also wearing a hoodie under there. So yes. what? what is right. going on there? Leave you confused. You can't have that. It's a walking contradiction. Accessories. It is, exactly. Accessories. Uh, the things they'll do for fashion. Uh, so we'll see. I think, I think, I hope You're, they get a game because I think it'll make a series, but I think ultimately it's a wrap. You just talked about the Cavs being, or LeBron specifically being tired. And what I saw last night was LeBron staring at the basket 
Five sets of Golden State eyes defensively staring back at him, packed into the paint. And LeBron wants to get to the basket. And when you see four other guys and the defender on you locked in, there's no movement from his Cavs teammates. It's a daunting task. He did all that he could. I mean, he was hitting people for wide-open jumpers. He didn't get enough of them made. So what I'll say to Ty Lue and the Cavs is get the ball out of LeBron's hands a little bit. Get LeBron coming into the post. Get LeBron running off some of that action. Slide him into the mid post. Get him a quick touch where he can rip and go baseline or he can come back middle. It shouldn't have to be all LeBron. And now I get because LeBron is hard. LeBron wants the ball. So he's hard to coach at times. But he's not helping himself if he's mandating that he have the ball at the top of the key and and he wants to create all the offense from there. He can still create the offense. Find different places on the court to get him the ball. Don't start the ball in his hands. Let it find him out of some kind of action. It'll put Golden State in a much tougher defensive position and allow him to get a little freedom. Because right now, what's working, what's not working is that top of the key LeBron ISO. They've got that figured out. Um, all right. Let's move on to some overreaction yeah. or proper reaction. Overreaction or proper reaction. First up, you and I were talking about it before. Golf was in action. Uh, Muirfield with uh, the Memorial Tournament. All right, overreaction or proper reaction? Tiger Woods is close to winning a golf tournament. Proper reaction. I believe that he is close. I The putting is an issue, and we just talked about that before we came back from break. The putting, the putting hurt him on Saturday. It hurt him throughout the whole tournament, but specifically after the rain delay on Saturday, uh, he came out and he left three should have been made putts, not not 50-50 putts, but probably 75 to 85% putts that hurt him. That's been the trend for him. It looks like he, his short game is cleaned up. Um, he's figuring out off the tee. I mean, he hit a he hit a three with 323 yards. Yeah. Like when you're doing that, you might not even need the driver a lot of the time because he's got his struggles with that. But I think it's putting right now that's holding him back. And I do believe that the more competitive rounds he gets under his belt, the more he's in these positions – uh, the closer he is to figuring out. So for that reason, I think it's a proper reaction. I think it's proper too. I, I think he's close. When you say close, I think like in the next six months. Yeah. I don't know. The U.S. Open, I would love to say, hey, he's going to go out and tear it up and right. win up at Shinnecock. But I, I think he's, it's a process, right? Even Jack Nicholas, because he was, it was his tournament. They were asking about it. He said he has to learn how to win again. I do think when you see that many missed putts, and there were two three footers on Saturday, and, uh, Debo came with his great stat, seven missed putts inside five feet this weekend. That was the most ever, uh, for him over in a single tournament since tracking began in 2004. That, that tells me it's a mental thing. That's like, mental, cause yeah. those are gimmies for him. He's never had any issues with those. And he's got like, that tells to me, like, it's a, it's, and this is some, an area that he's never been before. Cause he's always been dominant. Hey, I'm going to knock these in. There's, these aren't even a, de- now you start missing them. And it was kind of like before the comeback, the last comeback with the chips. Yeah. With, with the, the yips you, around. Yeah, the yeah, yeah, like, yeah, yeah. this is just part of the process. He's got to get over it. I was freaked out. We talked about this on Friday's podcast when he said about the back and it was getting tight and all that. Right. So I'm glad to see that that wasn't an issue. Because if you would have seen him fall apart, not maybe not make the cut, then you would have been like, uh-oh, here we go again. But he fought his way back in. He was grinding. I think it's just part of the process. All of the game has to come together. So I think it's a proper reaction on that one. I think he is close to winning. Um, can, we're, we're in golf right now, right? So yeah. can I – look, 
I need a pair of size 15, like, cool Nike golf shoes. Oh, yeah? And Nike's only making them to 14 right now. What? It, I, it's a real beef with you gotta me, bro. got to get on somebody about right? that. Right? Yeah. Real, real talk. Like, Where's Phil Nike? Nike go, like, seriously. Phil, let's go straight to the top. Damn We're going to go get something done. <laughs> we might as well go straight to the top. Uh, you know what I need to get is uh. what Bryson uh, DeChambeau. You like the hat? Oh, that is dope. The little like, Kangol? Yeah, yeah, I'm about to wear that. Although it's a Puma. It would be way cooler if it was a Kangol. Like, it's Puma made. It's a Puma made yeah, Kangol style like type Kangol. of cat. Yeah, but he right. needs to just go Kangol. Like, they should be paying him. Now, he's the dude that uses the same length irons, right? Yeah, yeah. I actually have thought about trying that because it does seem to make a lot of sense. Yeah. Because I actually, like, you never, when you think about it, like, why would they be different? You know, like, I'm sure there was some reason golf, you know, was started. Sure. But to me, it would seem a lot easier to repeat a swing if all the clubs are the same I length. I agree. All right, speaking of golf, uh, overreaction or proper reaction, Jordan Spieth won't be a threat at the U.S. Open. You may ask why. Well, he missed the cut at the Memorial. He shot 75-72. Uh, he had a wild final day at the Masters where he finished third, but he hasn't, uh, landed in the top 20, uh, in his last five tournaments. He's missed the cut twice. Um, this is a proper reaction again. I, I don't think he's going to be bad. I think he'll be viable, but I don't know that he's going to threaten to win the U.S. Open. Uh, I haven't followed Jordan as much as I follow Tiger, so I don't know, you know, what the, what the woes are there, but, um, he doesn't seem to be in form. And I guess to threaten at the U.S. Open, like at Shinnecock, you got to be in really good form, and he's not there right now. So I think it's probably. I think he could just because he's one of the world's best golfers. It's a wide open, you know, if anything could happen. He gets hot at the right time. Sure. Um, but like I wouldn't take any bets on him. I would, even when, no matter what the odds were, I don't think I would put a flyer on him. Right. But I think there's a chance he could. Come. Sure. Yeah. So I'm going to say it's a little bit of an, well, I'm going to say proper with you because I don't think he's a threat. I think he'd be a dark horse. On yeah, correct. Points, which is crazy when you're thinking about, uh, his career so far. All right. Overreaction or proper reaction? Rodney Hood's comments represent lots of LeBron's teammates. All right, so here's a couple of things he said. He said, this is something different. It has been tough. The basketball stuff has been the easiest part. The stuff that comes out of it, you lose a game. Everyone talks about it on TV the next day. They may say some things that you may not agree with. You lose a game and you feel like the world is coming down. You win, it's like you're supposed to win. It's still a struggle to me to adapt to that. That was uh, him speaking to the undefeated about playing with LeBron. All right. So the the question is, the, is does this represent a lot, most of LeBron's teammates? This is an overreaction. And what this says to me is, Rodney Hood, you need to pack your stuff, right? You, because you're like you talk about the people with the Patriots way, yeah, not being able to handle that. Well, Rodney Hood, look, you've been on bad teams, bro. You've, I mean, in college you weren't a good team, but in the NBA you've been on relatively bad teams. And now you're playing with the best player on the planet. He brings people championships. He carries people to the NBA Finals. I, it's not the easiest job in the world. Right. I will say that for sure. But being on good teams with LeBron not on those teams isn't an easy job. There's a lot that goes into that. There are expectations that have to be met. If you lose games that you should win, people are going to have something to say about that. So I'm sure that there's some people that feel that way about LeBron. Like you're never going to be the best teammate for everybody. But this doesn't represent most of the people that have played with LeBron. I think this is a mentally weak player. And I I am with you. I think LeBron has no patience at this point in his career for Gotta somebody go. who can't handle playing with him. Like, are you kidding me? When he said you lose a game, you feel like the world is coming down. Isn't it supposed to? Yeah. Like, isn't that what sports are about? Like, it should be tough emotionally to lose games. Like, you don't want to be comfortable in that spot where if you're losing, you're okay yeah, with it. Yeah, it's all good. So I, I don't think this represents a lot of te- – well, maybe it, it has in the past, but those players don't last long as his teammates because LeBron weeds them out. Right, <laughs> right. Well, I, I was shocked at these comments. I'm going to ask Rodney Hood if yeah. you cry, what the baby going to do, bro? <laughs> exactly. Cut that out, dog. That's not a good look. All right, next up, the Caps should finally feel 
comfortable. Overreaction or proper uh, reaction? So they've had a ton of playoff issues before, blown leads. They've been knocked out before. They finally look like they could potentially be in control of a series in the Stanley Cup final. They lead the series 2-1. to one. Um, They had a 3-1 win Saturday night, I believe it was. Ovechkin uh, has had 14 goals in the playoffs. He looks like he's finally, like he's on a mission. He's going to put this all behind him. Do you think they should feel comfortable? <laughs> no. I don't like, either. Oh, no, man. You, now, Ovechkin. That is an overreaction. That is an overreaction. Uh, maybe the biggest of all of them. Yeah, man. You, you're not in any playoff situation. You don't take anything for granted. There's no feeling of, of we're comfortable with this or satisfaction until the champagne is popped. Like the fingers have been sized for the rings. The hats are on. The t-shirts are on. I'm talking about down to the last second of the third period of whatever game it gets closed out in. You are never supposed to feel comfortable. Right. I am totally on board with you. I think that's an overreaction. And especially with those skeletons in your closet, I think those are always kind of there. Until you are pouring the champagne into the cup and to actually drink from it and celebrating with your teammates uh, in the locker room, there is no way that they're not – even. You know, if they go up 3-1, they're still matter. think, hey, we've lost series before like this. You yeah. have to learn how to close out, and they still haven't done it. Until you do it, you haven't got that monkey off your back. And, so. and part of that championship mentality is being able to convince yourself up 3-1 that you're still, that you're still the underdog. Like that, right. that, like, you know, you have to play those mental games with yourselves to keep yourself, like, razor sharp and not feeling comfortable. All right, let's move it on to some picks and props. Yeah, who's winning this now? Picks and props. Oh, it's a wrap. <laughs> Diva, no, you're talking about the you're talking about the picks and props standings. <laughs> Whatever, my boy Raja, look at that. We got a leaderboard. Uh-oh. Look at Debo sneaking in there, putting his name on there. All right, Debo, what do you got for us? That's not what my sheet says, though, bro. Just full disclosure. Uh, we need an updated one. Raja actually in the lead. Yeah, um, yes, I had a tough weekend. You. Hannah always having a tough weekend, a, a <laughs> tough segment for her. But like you said, the Caps still have some of those skeletons. Do they get it done tonight? Game four at home. They struggled early in the postseason, didn't have those troubles Saturday night. Minus 130 favorites against the Knights in game four tonight. I think they do. I think they get it done. I think, <laughs> like we were just talking about it, I think they will be playing with a more intense focus. A lot of times if you go up 2-1, the team might relax. But because of their history, playing at home, I think they are going to feed off the home crowd. And I think the uh, the Knights are actually getting a little bit tired at this yeah, point. Yeah, that's what I was going to say. The Knights, and they've had an emotional, like, season season yeah. run through the playoffs. Um, the fatigue is a very big concern of mine. Uh, you're on game two on the road. How many days rest have they had? Is that? One day rest. But yeah, one, one day rest. Night. Yeah, I think that that one day rest scenario for a tired team on the road, um, on the road, that home crowd is going to is going to pay dividends for uh, Washington. So I, I I'll take the Caps. I'm going to go against you again, Raja. Later in topics, we're going to talk about the pregame shows and if that can actually boost the Caps this time. All right, All right the prop today. Johnny Manziel made his long-awaited, a couple weeks awaited, CFL preseason debut. I know you were locked in, Danny, over the weekend. Yeah. Had a decent day. So the prop here is during the regular season, over under 1.0 as Manziel's touchdown to interception ratio in the NFL, it was 1.0. It was seven touchdowns, seven interceptions in his two seasons with the Browns. He might not start, but what's his numbers going to be up north? Yeah. Uh, yeah, I'm gonna go. What would it be the under? If I think he's gonna throw more picks than TDs, Ooh. yeah. I think he's gonna. Wow. Yeah. Look, I'm cheering for Johnny, but I think he's gonna be a little cavalier with that rock up there. I think he's gonna take some <laughs> things for granted. It's like 
I used to see guys come from the NBA all the time when I was in the CBA, and I was hungry. Like, I was dirty, not making any money, like, hungry, like, mentality. And guys would get kicked down from the NBA, and they just weren't built for that because they thought it was cake, and they right. thought they were it was just a little parlay until they got back to the NBA, and I'd get a hold of them and, like, chew them up. That's what's going to happen to Johnny Manziel. All right, I'm going to fade you. I'm going to say he actually succeeds. I think he starts in the next couple weeks. Jeremiah uh-huh. Masoli had a couple picks in that game. Manziel was cleaner. I think June Jones' coach is built. It's a different league. Like I don't know if you've ever watched Canadian. It's fun uh, to watch. They yeah. throw it all the time. Like and they don't it, run the ball. That's where you like the in motion. motion you can be like flying at the line of scrimmage. Yes, and which whatnot. I love. It's a pass happy league. And I think Manziel actually is pretty accurate with the football. And I think he makes good decisions. When you're on the Browns, your first year in the NFL, it is really tough. He was forced to play from behind. Yeah, I think he's on a better team now. So I think he's going to be closer to three touchdowns to one interception ratio. I actually hope you're right. I hope so too. All right, so let's get it over to Hannah. So, Hannah, <laughs> you are struggling with your picks. Who do you got in the Stanley Cup final? Are you going to fade us, or are you just going to hop on board so you don't fall lower down the leaderboard? No, I'm going to I'm gonna stick stick by with what I'm saying. Who did I pick? Like, why am I so awful at every single time? Like, does everyone, word to the wise, just do the opposite of whatever I do? Always. That's right. All right, what do you got for News in 90? All right, guys. Time now for your news in 90. They meet again. Serena Williams and Maria Sharapova square off today at the French Open with Williams holding a 19-2 and edge in their head-to-head matchups. Sharapova hasn't beaten Williams since the title match at the 2004 WTA Tour Championships. Since losing in that one, Williams has rolled off 18 straight wins. The match is set to begin at 10.30 a.m. Eastern. Nationals' Jeremy Hellickson will undergo an MRI today to determine the extent of his right hamstring injury, according to reports. He suffered the injury during Sunday's 4-2 loss to the Braves. Manchester United are closing in on the signing of Brazil midfielder Fred, according sources have told ESPN FC. The 25-year-old is expected to have a medical this week before finalizing the deal after the Ukrainian club accepted an offer worth around $53 million from United. And the Phillies lost to the Giants again on Sunday and in the three-game series sweep. The Phillies scored just one run, a home run, by Jake Arrieta, but he was still not happy about it. According to reports, Arietta described himself as furious, saying that the Phillies' defensive shifts are the worst in the league. He said that they need to change that, but it's not his job. That was your News in 90. There's way too much negativity in our world today, like politics, worldwide. you got Twitter, where everybody's always spitting vitriol at you. So we need a little feel-good story. Okay. You know what I got for you? I have a quarterback from Syracuse, Rex Culpepper. So he rang the bell for his final round of chemotherapy. I didn't really know about this as a thing, but it's a really cool – I've seen a couple of these videos online uh, where once you go through your chemo treatment and you successfully undergo it and you become cancer-free, there's actually a bell that's hanging in the hospital. So you kind of ring it. It's like the final thing that you do. Sure. And I cannot fathom – the feeling that you would have, like all the emotions that you would go through, but I can't imagine a greater sense of accomplishment and victory than beating cancer and actually having that to be able to go ring that bell. Yeah, man, super, super cool. Um, just look, having kids and everyone's had somebody that's affected by cancer in, in one way or another. And so I had a buddy of mine that, that was one of the vice presidents of American Cancer Society. So I used to help do golf events and stuff for, for the cause. Like it, it that's so dope. Hopefully he, uh, you know, he's able to come back and he's going to go through what, uh, like 
summer yeah summer he's ball back and stuff like, like he's, that yeah, so he's be able to do summer workouts with the orange and he's you know he already luck, had a Rex. touchdown during the uh, syracuse spring yeah. game so all out brother I, and like now you want to root for him so that he can inspire even more people sure. because the more fame he gets the more people he can help that are in a similar situation so way no to doubt. go rex culpepper uh no doubt about that all right let's do a little read and react read and react okay this is a new segment we're going to try out it's um we're going to read some headlines from cbssports.com and this is what i was talking about so the sec <laughs> Finally got something right, and I hope everyone takes notice, all conferences across the country, because the headline is, the SEC passes new transfer rule changes for 2018. Okay. This has been a hot topic over the last decade, I would say, because kids are, you know, coaches bounce around from job to job. They can go take a a better gig. They can just walk out. They'll get bought out. Their contracts get bought out. Meanwhile... Student athletes have to wait around. Even if they graduate, they, a lot of times, the SEC would make them still sit out a year. Well, the SEC has decided to change that. Uh, on the final day of their SEC meetings in Destin, Florida, they had the school presidents vote and they, uh, have decided that players who have received their gr- degrees from SEC schools can move within the conference and play right away without the need for a waiver. In addition to the graduate transfer rule, the SEC also passed a rule that allows players on teams facing NCAA sanctions, a la Ole Miss, to move within the conference without sitting out. It will be effective immediately. Yes. Love it. I got my It's about time. Like, there are, there are some things, and this is, this is kudos to the SEC because they just, it's common sense. Like, the players have so little rights in the bigger picture. Yeah. Do you think there are student athletes, a lot of these guys bust their tail to graduate so they can have any sort of leverage? If you're not going to pay them, make it a better process for them. Make it easier on them. There's a lot of circumstances where guys aren't getting playing time. Maybe they don't like the coach. Maybe the, you know, something wor- didn't work out. Right. Where, and you, that's a year of their life. A life. At their athletic prime where they can't be participating and they have to sit out a year. Let them go. And it's a good thing that the SEC did that. I agree. I always felt like fans and, and institutions, like the adults, for the most part, mm-hmm. always lost sight of the fact that these were kids and it was their lives that you were affecting, you know? And yep. so, yes, I may have chosen to go to your school. Um, and for one reason or another, I wasn't good enough to play or things didn't work out with the coach. Like, why selfishly should my, like, career possibly be ruined because it's not working? You know what I mean? Right. Like, I never understood that. So I think it's dope. Um, they're kids. Right? And this is their lives. Like, keep that in perspective. That's the only thing I'll say about it. All right, next headline. QB Murray could pass on MLB to play for Oklahoma. Is this so Kyler? This is Kyler Murray. Uh, Oklahoma Sooners is supposed to take over the gig for Baker Mayfield at Oklahoma. Right. He transferred from Texas ST. A&M where he had played a Oh, he came bit. from A&M. Okay, yeah, from I got Texas it. Yeah, A&M he played a little bit. He is uh, the number 36 prospect for the MLB draft. I think, I think he's going to play. I think he stays. I I wish what he would do is, again, I think I've talked about it on here. My regret is that I didn't sign to play Major League Baseball, get paid. Correct. Use it as your summer job, essentially, and then still play quarterback for Oklahoma. You can you can actually do that. That would be my advice to him. Now, the problem is that football teams, and this happened with Russell Wilson, they're like, nope, we want you to only be football, only football. But I think you actually have some leverage because they, he's a pretty good quarterback. You yeah. can actually say, you know what, I want to do both things. Um, but it's going to be interesting to watch. I think ultimately because if he was a top six, not top 36 prospect, uh, prospect, I think it'd be a no brainer. Like if he was a top 10 pick, right. Then you take all that money and you say, see you later football and go after the big money in, in baseball. 
But I think because he's not going to be drafted as high, quite as high, and the money won't be as great. What do you imagine? I mean, that's going to, my opinion, will be largely based on what, like, a number 36 outfielder prospect Gosh. is like. Out of probably roughly. third or fourth round, which yeah, so I don't what? even think you'll reach a million dollars. You know, like maybe five hundred, but yeah. you'll have a little bit of leverage. That's I just, but it sounds like he might not even just say, "Hey, I'm not going to play baseball. Don't worry about. It. Don't even draft me." Yeah, you know. So it'll huh. be uh, interesting to watch that play out. And the other thing is, it's going to be really tough. To, I've, I've been there and done that, following in the shoes of a Heisman Trophy winner. Being the next guy in line is no fun. No. Like they always expect <laughs> the same and then they right. feel let down unless you go back and bring the team to the playoffs and you break all Baker Mayfield's records. So good luck with that. All right. Next headline report Michigan's beeline interviews with the Pistons. So John beeline, great coach for the University of Michigan had an outstanding career there. Uh, still has 11 years. He's two final fours, two losses in the title games. He's got a 63% winning percentage. He is 65 years old though. Your your reaction? Yeah, I like it. Yeah. I like it. He's a Michigan, like you know, he's there in Michigan. He's been doing good things with the program. I know a guy who played for him, I believe, at West Virginia, Mike Ganzi, um, and he says he's a great coach. Loves him. I always kind of gauge, you know, what a guy does off of the players who have played for him, you know, and the way they feel about him, um, and if it's a love thing or if they're just like, oh no, he's a good X and O dude. Like this guy really loves him, so I think he's got a great rapport with with players and the, the people on his team, which is sent what. That's what you have to have in the NBA. Like you got to be a good X and O guy, but you got to be a relatable coach. Somebody like a Brad Stevens, who, you know, guys want to fight for you. They yeah. they they want to believe in what you're selling. Like so, you know. And I've said before that I think the NBA needs to be a little bit more open minded about people who aren't bred in the NBA coaching family. Um, well, that and, would be their out- ability because they've already interviewed Jason Kidd and Dwayne Casey, the fired uh, Toronto Raptors coach, right? And so maybe this is thing because those guys are fall in line of the NBA coaches fired. Let's yeah. just keep recirculating guys who have been fired. So I actually do like the fact that they're thinking outside the box a right. little bit. Ultimately, you think they'll hire him? No, <laughs> I know. I don't. And if you're him, like you've got a pretty good thing going. Well, that's my too. thing. I don't know that uh, I'm Michigan? leaving. Yeah, exactly. Great. All right, uh, let's move on to topics. So Debo, it was a crazy weekend. A lot of crazy stuff was going on. What do you have for us? Topics. Lots of crazy stuff, and we're gonna go with an OTB throwback on this one, softer than Strasburg, and that's not normally a segment I would use with an MMA fighter, but I think this one might be deserving. So Jessica Aguilar. Pulled from the UFC Fight Night card 131 in Utica, New York on Friday because she had chapped lips. So it begs the question, softer than Strasburg? Is there something to this like in the fight game? Because I'm not really into it. Like I know if you have a cut in your eye like and it gets susceptible that maybe you don't want to fight because yeah. it can get worked. Like is there something to this? I don't know. It can't just be chapped lips. Like there has to be some. I mean chapped lips hurt. Like they're really irritating. You know what hurts worse is getting punched in the face. Like I am not calling any MMA fighter, male or female, softer than Strasburg. So thanks for the setup, but it ain't happening, Captain. No. So the state of New York apparently very strict with their rules, but chapped lips. Come on. Chapped. All right, the next and, one. And you got to control the message. Like you got to get out there and say, "I wanted to fight, they wouldn't let me." You got to do something. <laughs> All right. So forget football. This one, I don't know. The, the same segment might apply. Clay Matthews doesn't have to worry about football. He might have to worry about celebrity softball. Over the weekend in a tournament that he was hosting, the Packers do it every year, he was pitching. A comebacker hit him square in the face, broke his nose, requiring surgery. I mean, do you think this was worded in his contract? Uh, probably there's always like stuff in there that protects the teams. Now, if he would have hurt, if he would have been hurt, they wouldn't have done anything because he's a player of his stature. They're not going to screw him over. But I've played in probably 20 of these things, like the softball, the charity softball games. 
and you saw it like everybody's having a good time but in any softball team if i've ever been a pitcher you toss it especially in soft toss you toss it and then you back the f out of there yes you get your hands up he tossed it and stood right there had his hands down and took one right to the face it was nasty blood gushing out he like ran over to the dugout like got out of got dodge as soon as he could and i'm sure it was a scary moment because when you come, like, we already have CTE, so this is another issue. Oh. You're dealing with a head blow. And now he's got to have surgery, and you're getting that. You're a month away from camp, like about a month, six weeks away from going to training camp. Like, I would be a little bit concerned, but he said he's going to be okay. He's going to have surgery uh, to fix up that beautiful dome that he has. No, I'm glad he's all right, man, because that could be worse than a broken nose. Like, that. Yeah. that uh, That's I, what he said. I will not pitch in a softball. Like, that is my number one fear. So I let my dad pitch. Um, <laughs> my dad on the line? My dad's our pitcher for our softball, but it is a scary thing. And people have been like, look, he needs to either wear a mask or – you know, some some kind of protection because you're not that far away. So, mask. like, no, I mean, my dad won't go either. But you just pitch it and get out of there. You get out of there. Yeah. Point being, and so I, I think he's lucky, man. I'm glad it's just a broken nose. Yeah, for sure. So that's your number one fear, Raja? What? No, on the softball field. Yeah, oh, okay. yeah, for I sure. You just meant not life in general. Out? Nah, I, I I did. Strike that was out always one my time. biggest fear was don't strike out. You're you playing did? those, I, yeah, because they give you. So they start you with one strike, right? Right. And, and if pressure, if you foul off the third pitch. It's it's yeah, strikeout. It's like, yep. Yeah. So I had two fouls and I was out. I was like, what? All right. So Vegas bought out a Game of Thrones episode. Washington bought a vow. The Caps' response to the night's epic pregame show was Wheel of Fortune host Pat Sajak mm-hmm. reading off a boring letter he wrote about being a Caps fan. I want you guys to design your perfect pregame show. Who would you have there to get you the right amount of pumped up? Oh, that's a good one. I don't know. What go? I actually really enjoyed the Vegas uh, pregame show. Like, yeah, it was, it's it. I call in my kids to watch it. Like they go nuts because it's pretty. Like it gets you pretty amped up. Yeah. But then they had Imagine Dragons. Like that was their kind of cap off, and it was a, it was a decent performance. But I need something a little bit like crazier to really get you into it. I would go because these are my boys. Yeah. I would have the Beastie Boys. Oh, word! Playing live, like getting the crowd hyped. Yeah. Do it. So the, it's sabotage. This is purely like this is individual. This is what you would want, not for your team, correct? Yeah. Well, yeah. If I could pick and choose, but I think it would be, I think everybody would be amped from it. All like right. I think everybody would get into it. So I'm going to, I'll design mine, but maybe it would be like in my locker pregame. It wouldn't be right. like for everybody on my team. So what I'd do is I'd have like this, I'd have a montage of like every time a coach like either cut me or somebody told me like I couldn't make their team or they weren't going to recruit me because they thought I was bigger or whatever it was, right? So I'd have all of that. Right. And then I'd have DMX. Yeah. And I'd let just DMX just yeah, – he could go through his catalog, whatever he wanted Arky. to do, just yelling at me, <laughs> and then I'd be ready to rock. So I just watched the documentary on DJ AM who yeah. passed away, and yeah. one of the performances he did, he came out and they thought he was Daft Punk as he had the mask on, and then he revealed it was him. I would do something like that with the Beastie Boys. They have to make the crowd – like you have to surprise them somewhat. Right. So maybe they come out like in their intergalactic gear with like all the, the um, biohazard suits yeah. on and you can't see them, but then all of a sudden they break out and go nuts like – I would have a big dramatic performance. You thought about this before? Yes, I have. <laughs> Danny, what was the Beastie Boy that you laid down that track with? Ad Rock. Jay Ad Rock. Shout out to my boy. Push him up. All right. So the beef never really gets settled on the court, but Draymond Green says it can be settled in the streets any day against uh, Tristan Thompson carrying uh, over from Game One. Now I'm not going to lie and claim this beef to be like Kirk Snyder and Jerry Stackhouse, Raja, but Draymond right. Green versus Tristan Thompson. You can see the tail of the tape. Yeah. Uh, who would win? 
Um, I don't know. Like, I don't, I don't know that either one of them is like built like that. I think this is like all talk. Yeah, man. I don't think this is like, look, you, you got a ball, you got a ball shoved in your face. If you wanted some action, like there was ample time for action. Right. And like, here's the deal. Like real talk. I know where you stay. I know where you stay in in right. in, in 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 San Francisco. Right. So if I really want some action, I'm going to come down there and see you. Like, I mean, I'm just saying. Like NBA, don't get that twisted. Like they talk a lot of shit, right? But they're not about. It's not about that. Like if they really want action, I know they'll come down there and find you. If they need you, they come get you. When you watch Draymond play, like his emotions and all, what do you think? I'll tell you what I think. He's okay. over the top for me. Like, I do appreciate that role though because I had to play it at sometimes. Um, but I, he takes it over the top for me when something happens, um, and he gets up and he's screaming in opponents' faces and stuff like that. Like that, that crosses a line for me. Like I would have been a dude who, you know, like we would have been into it because there's a, there's a playing hard and getting my team in my arena hype. And then there's a disrespect to me hype. And he crosses the line for me a lot. Every time I watch him play, I would not have been able to make it through a game without swinging on him. Yeah. I just can't stand the stuff that he like. And I, I like the emotional guy. I like the guy who's rough on defense and who's not afraid to mix it up a little bit. Right. But the constant in your face, like challenging you. I, have you ever thought the Cavs should try to get him more text? Cause he's got four. He only gets seven. Like, have you ever thought they should try to have somebody play his game? Yeah. I was like, I was wondering that. I'm like, why don't they try to get Draymond suspended for a game? Like that's how they won the last time. That's how they won their one championship. Yeah. He's emotional. Why not have somebody play just his be game? in there and just be Yeah. Well, I think what you're articulating is kind of along the lines of what I was saying earlier. You have to make that a dirty, grimy Cleveland series. Yes. It can't be a San Francisco like right. Olympic right. Club series. Right. Finesse. Like, this has to be a like steel town, like rust belt. Series and if you put him in that situation, he'll show his true colors. He will eventually bug out and 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 do what you're what you're alluding to. So Danny was in the streets of New York over the weekend, <laughs> partying. Loosely <laughs> use that term. Get me in with, uh, Rob Gronkowski's girlfriend. Yeah, Raja. He sent yeah. it to the group text. What was your reaction when you saw that picture? Like what? <laughs> I was like, well, where's my? Yeah, no, she's she's tough. Um. Yeah, I was at first wondering where Danny was, and then I was trying to figure out who was in the picture, and then the text kept coming in. I was like, oh. And then my initial reaction was like, like she's even prettier like in a picture like that than she is in like some of the stuff I've seen on Instagram. So, you know, I was like, kudos to Dan. No, it was uh, – so I wasn't in the streets of New York. So I was in the rooftops of New York. Let's, and let's rooftop clarify bar. this. <laughs> no, but it was an official work event. Yeah, for no, sure. No, but she came – I was actually really impressed – that she came uh, for the show that I work with in SiriusXM, the channel I work with. She came like because she likes the morning show that's yeah. on there. And she was just supposed to come up and do a segment. She stayed for like an hour and 15 minutes. She took pictures with a bunch of dudes. She was just very down to earth. Like I was actually – I was not picturing her to be kind of smart. Like she's smart. Yeah. I, she was articulate. She was fun. Like I expected that. But like it was not what I expected in Gronk's girlfriend. Dude, I would – like honestly, like because – that's the coolest part of it. Right. That, that she has some substance about herself and stuff and was a cool person about, about the situation and, and, and could be like related to. Right. Right. Uh, good thing, uh, uh, Debo screen grabbed that, that, uh, Instagram post because it is no longer up as I may or may not have had a little trouble on the home front with that one. So still dealing with those issues, but 
That's a wrap for Off the Bench with Dana Canell and Aja Bell. Make sure you go follow us on Instagram and Twitter at Canell and Bell. We'll be back on Wednesday and Thursday this week. A little yeah. bit different because of the NBA Finals. We want to make sure we get the best reaction to all that stuff. So thanks for checking us out. Have a good one.